Welcome back to our podcast, Child Free Leaves, Yes, Please. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, I'm back with my special guests, Chelsea Mesa and Ben Conley. And just before the jump, we were talking about sabbaticals and recharge leave and the different ways in which employers need to remain flexible in order to meet the needs of their employee populations. And in thinking about flexibility, and I want to bring Ben in here, sort of our resident expert on developing benefits programs, and in particular, the many new ways that employers are looking at wellness programming. So, Ben, can you tell us a little bit more about the type of programming you're seeing and what employers should be thinking about before implementing these creative solutions? Yeah, certainly. And, you know, wellness is such a broad umbrella that it really could mean any of a number of different things. But just to give a timely example, What we're seeing a lot of employers consider right now is using leave or PTO as an incentive to encourage employees to get vaccinated, which is, in its very literal sense, a a wellness program in in its own right. And, I mean, right now what we're seeing is predominantly employers only extending PTO commensurate with what the employee would need to go get the vaccine or perhaps recover from the vaccine. But based on some recent, we think, relatively helpful guidance from the EEOC, there may be an avenue to expand that even further to allow someone to take a sabbatical of sorts or at the very least some additional vacation time as a reward for getting and demonstrating to the employer that they have been vaccinated. Now, there's greater flexibility depending on how you structure these types of programs. So you can certainly integrate it with your health plan in that you are encouraging some sort of healthy behavior, perhaps outside of vaccinations, to encourage people to live a healthy lifestyle and then offering some form of leave as a reward. Generally, you're going to have more flexibility if you're asking them to do something that doesn't make them meet a specific health criteria or outcome than if you do require that they, for instance, lower their BMI or meet a certain cholesterol level. If you are requiring them to meet those outcomes, you're going to have a pretty restrictive limit on how much leave you can offer. But again, if it's something that is participation only, like take a health risk assessment, a mental health awareness assessment, right, or something like get a vaccination, which is generally, you know, a participation only type of program, you have some more flexibility surrounding whether and to what extent you can offer that type of benefit. So, you know, I mean, we're in such a weird time right now in that the early vaccination initiative was kind of individual driven in that people were simply going out to, you know, CVS or Walgreens or vaccination sites to get their vaccines. But we're now really seeing this get pushed into the workplace for sort of the second wave of vaccinations, if you will, as somewhat contemporaneous with a return to work initiative. And so I think you're going to start to see in more and more of these types of creative incentives crop up to encourage that remaining segment of the workforce to get vaccinated. And actually, that frames it very well, a question that came up at a conference I was at recently, thinking through sort of the different phases we've been in. So at the beginning of the pandemic, we saw a rush with employers to create some of these actually parental leave-focused options for employees trying to address the closure of daycares, closure of schools. Then we saw a little bit of the backlash. Some of that was in the New York Times and Wall Street Journal reporting on a couple of famous large companies getting pushback about those benefits from individuals who weren't eligible for those leaves, but as Chelsea mentioned, had some other needs they wanted to be able to address with additional leave during the pandemic. Now, as folks are working on their 
return to business or return to work or reopening planning, they're trying to incentivize people to come back to the office, trying to incentivize employees to use up accrued vacation, addressing a lot of different needs. But in the next few months, a lot of employers, a lot of our clients are anticipating a shift sort of out of hopefully the pandemic and away from addressing some of these more immediate stressors that are coming from outside of the workplace. Do you think that there is longevity in this programming? Do you think there's going to be a need for it when, assuming this pandemic ever ends, we're sort of back to the new normal? Or do you think this is something that employers should be thinking about now, but maybe a year from now, these won't be as popular? No, I mean, you know, I think wellness programs will continue to be a mainstay of the employer-sponsored health care system, and they have been around, right, for decades, and there's always a debate over the return on investment, these types of programs. But I think that you need to be nimble because the incentive needs to be responsive to what your workforce wants if you really want to drive those types of healthy behaviors. And it just so happens that everybody's been cooped up in their house for a year. Those who have been fortunate enough to continue working and haven't had to sort of continue on the the front lines. But those individuals probably are experiencing, as Chelsea mentioned, burnout right now. So the most powerful incentive probably isn't more cash but or a discount on health insurance premiums, but rather the ability to get away from the office a little bit, especially because they are uh, newly vaccinated and liberated and free to go roam the world again. Excellent. I could not agree more. I could definitely use a vacation. (laughs) (laughs) I bet everyone listening to this podcast probably could as well. Another popular question that came up during the pandemic is about leave sharing and donations. So donations of PTO to colleagues or actual donations to colleagues to help address some of the different types of expenditures that came up during the pandemic. How does that work? And do you think that is limited just to pandemics? Yeah, great question. I mean, this one's a little bit more challenging because the desired outcome is sort of hard to accomplish under current IRS rules. So the issue that you run into is that generally, if you have accumulated leave, the IRS considers you to have that from a taxation perspective without regard to whether you do anything with it. So while, you know, you might want to help out your stressed out coworker Bob and give him a week of your vacation that you're not going to use, you're probably less inclined to do that if Bob gets to go take the vacation, but you're still taxed as if you had received that pay. So what the IRS has created is a couple narrow exceptions that do allow leave donation in a few limited contexts and if structured properly allows the employee who donates the leave to avoid the tax consequences. But again, they are kind of narrow. So one sort of ongoing available program is for medical leave. So if you can donate your leave to a coworker who has a medical need because, for instance, they need to care for themselves or a family member, which again, does not facilitate that employee taking a trip or that coworker taking a trip to Italy or a vacation at Disney World, but certainly it can still be meaningful because, you know, when there's a medical need, that's some of the times when you need PTO the most. The other, to your point on the pandemic stage, is that there is a separate IRS-approved program when there is a nationally declared emergency, which we are in the midst of and have been for 15-some-odd months now and probably will remain in through the end of this year. And similar context there, you can donate your leave to a shared bank of leave that can then be tapped into by other employees within the organization who need that leave for a, you know, in this context, COVID-related emergency. Historically, these have only been used for things like 
hurricanes, so they've been pretty regionally narrow in scope. So this is kind of one of the first times where we've seen such a sort of a broad-based, nationally applicable, available program, and one that has run for such a long period of time. So we are seeing a bit more of an uptick in, in employers implementing this type of program, so it's been somewhat popular. And then there is the more standard sort of donate to charity kind of thing, which if an employer structures it properly, it would allow an employee to take their leave and convert that sort of cash equivalent to a charitable donation, which is somewhat COVID specific. So these things may or may not outlive the pandemic. Some of them are pandemic specific, but worth keeping in mind nonetheless, because it allows members of your workforce to do something good and help out others. I love that. So another question I have, and I think I might throw this one back to Chelsea. I've also been hearing about sabbaticals or especially in the beginning of the pandemic, more so than now when layoffs were a particular concern, employers offering extended periods of time off X months at a third of your pay or 25% of your pay or some other version of that. Have you been seeing those? Are there things that employers should consider in offering that type of sabbatical? And do you think those will outlive the pandemic? You know, I haven't really seen a lot of that. I've certainly seen the idea of reduction in pay in order to prevent an employer from having to do a layoff, for example. And that was certainly something that we saw a lot of during the pandemic, especially right at the beginning. And so the idea of offering a kind of partial pay benefit, I wouldn't say that's the most popular of the choices, although disability programs or paid parental programs for years have been using a partial pay as opposed to a full pay system for an employer to be able to afford that type of a program and, you know, and be able to offer it in the first place. So it's, it's not something that's certainly unheard of. Obviously, if the employee is taking time off that they've already earned, employers are kind of bound by paying it at the rate that it had already been promised. So we want to be really careful about things like that. But for an employer who has the ability or wants to be able to offer a benefit at a partial pay rate, I could certainly see that as a type of sabbatical instead of you know offering full pay for a longer period of time. So that type of a hybrid, I think, is possible. And as for existing post-pandemic, I think it's so hard to predict. I really think it depends so much on the type of employer and what they're looking to accomplish with the benefit. It's such an unknown because as we get back to work, I, I don't know that a lot of employers have a real good sense of what the needs of their workforce are going to be once they come back into a little bit more normalcy, other than the fact that a lot of people have been delaying taking time off because there wasn't anywhere to go. And, you know, like Ben mentioned, I think it's this idea that kind of want to want to go somewhere or do something. And it's like right now, I think that a lot of employers are sort of bracing for the idea that people are going to come back to the office and then immediately want to go on a long period of time off. And I think that's something that employers should be thinking about or preparing for and how they want to address that, because I think that's a realistic possibility that we're going to be seeing a great increase in time off requests in the latter half of this year. Definitely makes sense. And I think I'm hearing from both of you, a lot of this really depends on your current practices as an employer and your employees, your employee population and sort of staying nimble with their needs. I loved that word nimble, Ben, that you used, remaining flexible and kind of hearing in almost an open dialogue what your employees' needs are and how they're changing as the pandemic is unfolding and hopefully coming to a close. 
But speaking of coming to a close, I want to throw it out to both of you for some final thoughts. Ben, maybe we'll start with you. Any any closing thoughts? I mean, I guess the only other thing I'd throw out there that we're seeing some employers can start to consider a little bit more than they had historically is offering a PTO purchase program. So this one strips out a lot of the complexities of some of the earlier offerings we were discussing and can be revenue neutral-ish for employers. But if structured properly at the beginning of open enrollment before every year, just as you would select your health insurance and your make your FSA contributions, you can allow employees to reduce their salary to buy additional PTO during the course of the year. And there's some nuances here, and I don't want to get into this too much because Chelsea will smack me down a bit, but in California in particular on how you structure these types of programs. But there's a broader uptick because what a lot of employers I think are realizing is that right now time off might be more valuable to employees than, than pay potentially. So just another thing to consider, but we're seeing a lot of these things that have been around for decades that are really gaining popularity right now because of the demand for stressed out, burned out employees to have a little bit of time away. That's a great point and a really interesting solution. Yeah, and I think you're right. I'm anecdotally hearing a lot more about this shift to being interested in flexibility in the workplace, options for additional leave or PTO trumping cash at this point, even larger bonuses or larger salaries. So very, very interesting thought. And Chelsea, what about you? Any final thoughts you want to share? Sure. You know, I, I think it, it really is important for employers to look at the laws as the bare minimum because employees are getting even more savvy in terms of what they need and asking for it. And so, you know, these laws, when we talk about leaves of absence and, and whatnot, they were drafted at a time that was a relatively long time ago. And so needs are changing and everybody's lives don't look exactly the same. And so we are seeing a lot of opportunities for employers to recognize that in their employees. And that although the law says you have to provide X, Y, and Z, the way you're going to be recognized as an employer of choice and be somewhere where employees really want to go to work every day is that they are recognized as individuals that have not identical needs. And so the identical set of policies isn't going to work. It's just not going to cut it anymore. And so we are seeing a lot of employers start recognizing that individuality about their employees' needs and responding in ways like this concept of a leave of absence that isn't because there's a serious health condition involved or a family care situation or a parental leave and really more individually tailored to whatever the employee needs the time off for. And I think that's a new shift and we're looking at it from different angles to be able to accomplish that for employers who are asking for it. Perfect. I completely agree. And you've both touched on this, this seems to be a really good inflection point for employers. And because of the need as things are reopening and we've been constantly counseling on all different ways to adjust to the many things that have been thrown at us during the pandemic, what a great opportunity for employers to take a look at these policies, to look at their health plans, look at their wellness programming, and to think through you know, is it time for us to make a change? Are these outdated? And what should we be thinking about going forward in the short term and in, in the longer term? So I really appreciate the time. Thank you both so much for this. And of course, if folks have any questions, attorneys at Cypher, they're always available and happy to help. There are links below on the website that hopefully will get you to Chelsea and Ben or to your favorite Cypher attorney. So thank you both for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Shireen. Thanks, Shireen. 